Amen. Right on. So we kick off this series, excuse me, Legacy, and uh, the second week of it. And uh, I just want to do a little bit of recap from last week, so that way we're just all on the same page if you missed. Um, But we said last week that we're in a church plant miracle. We're in a position in our lives where, and as a church, where every day, every time we we say yes to God and we trust him and we follow him. God has always showed up for this church and, and done miraculous things. And while we're so grateful for that, we can't just stay there. We can't say, oh, God has blessed us so much. That's so great. We're so happy. Let's just stay happy right here with us. Like, no, we know that the scripture calls us to go from glory to glory, that God calls us. Uh, the scripture says that our love should abound more and more, meaning he wants us to continue to increase in his ways and in his things. And one of the ways we do that is how we bring a legacy offering like this, where we say, hey, you know, we, we want to outlive our life. We want what we do here on this earth to go beyond what I can build personally. We want it to be or what you can build personally. We want the investments and the seeds that we plant in our communities to outlive us, to make a difference. Amen. And so we say, we don't want to just stay stuck here. We want to do more. And we also believe this, that even though God has blessed us this much and gotten us this far, we know that it's for a reason. The scripture says, to whom much has been given, much is what? Required. We're required to do more. We're required to reach more. We're required to go further than where we've gotten because God takes us from glory to glory. I said it last week. God's design in sending his son Jesus was to come teach us how to live better lives or improved lives. Uh, I said it last week. We go from good to gooder. That's the design is God wants us to just keep getting gooder, keep getting better, uh, not just in our lives, but in the way that we reach people and love people and connect with people. The design is always for more. And it's been terribly abused by churches and by ministries where they say, all these things I just said, God wants us to do more. God. And really what they're saying is, I, I want more. And they've built kingdoms and empires and ministries that really just suit themselves. We've all seen that and had that bad taste in our mouth. And I hope by the time we're done talking here, you'll see that this church isn't built that way. This church, all the way down to its bylaws, is, is written to be the most maximum output church you could be. We're not interested in building a great uh, empire and cathedral and four walls and exist in what we can do here. We're interested in making the most outward impact that we can be. Amen. And legacy helps our hearts be that way. When we just want to hold on to and keep and stockpile our things and our time and our resources, all we're doing is being internally focused. But when we can say, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to bring an offering, I'm going to bring an extra, what is it doing? It's, it's making space in our heart, not just to, to be able to give, and to, but it makes space in our heart for what? For more of God. We say, hey, I've been blessed with all this. I've got all this kind of stuff. But when I give an offering, when I give of something, I'm giving of myself, which creates more space for more of God. And every time we do that, God comes in and fills us up and to, the, to an overflow, right? We're always more. And so that's where we are today in, in this thing is we're looking at it of too much is given, much is required. We don't want to just stay stuck here and go through the motions of church. We want to experience moves of God, and that takes sacrifice. That takes an offering. That takes a little extra. A couple weeks ago, uh, Doug and I, we were driving on 112th down toward James, and we had just seen a rollover accident. There was a car that had been hit and flipped, and we were busy, and we had all our things going just like everybody else at that intersection, was headed somewhere intentionally with much to do, but when there's a car on its side, and glass shattered everywhere and everything happening, how many of you know agendas stop, right? To-dos come to an end. 
uh, all the things that I was pressing and pushing and trying to make happen in my life didn't matter anymore. Why? Because I saw what? Crisis. It should be the same thing in our lives when spiritually we see somebody is in crisis. All of a sudden, the things that matter to me that I'm trying to accomplish, that I'm trying to put in my life, that I'm trying to get to and go do, all of a sudden, those come to a halt. Why? Because what matters is the crisis. And so I saw people climbing. The car was on its side, climbing up uh, the undercarriage of the car, which we know is a hot muffler and hot part. Why? Because they were trying to get in the car to meet the need of the crisis. They did uncomfortable things to be able to save a life. It's the same thing with us as Christians. We have to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations to meet the need of a crisis, right? In our natural world, we don't think twice about it. We see an accident and a crisis, and we say, everything around me that's my agenda stops because I need to meet the need of that crisis. We need to be the same way, where we position our lives and we rearrange things because it's about meeting the need of the crisis. Amen? And so that's what we do as a church. You can't just wake up one day and say, today I'm going to pull somebody from a burning car. Today I'm going to pull someone. I'm going to be a hero today. You can't just do that because you don't see that all the time. But every day you can wake up and say, I'm going to be somebody's spiritual hero. I'm not saying you're going to be God to them or Jesus to them. What I'm saying is you're going to wake up and say, I'm going to take the time to notice somebody today. I'm going to take the time to pray for somebody today. <clears throat> I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, budget my life in a way that when legacy offering comes around, I'm going to be able to make a significant impact. We can choose to get up and do those things and meet the needs of someone spiritually through ways that we order our lives. Are you with me? Yeah. And so we talked about that the scripture says that, that there's a cloud of great witnesses that are cheering us on up in heaven, but the witnesses are in heaven. They've already done the work. The witnesses are in heaven. The bystanders, those people standing by, are the ones in heaven. We are the people here on earth with the honor and the privilege to be able to go out and do the work. We're not called to be just witnesses, witnesses and bystanders. Of, no, we're called to be the people that go in and labor. Amen? The scripture says we have the good news. It means the good news is meant to be shared with as many as possible. When you have good news, you're called to go say, hey, I have the good news to as many as possible. That's what we're called to do as a church is put ourselves in position to be able to share the good news with as many as possible. I brought this picture that I shared last week. Uh, this is our outreach center. Now, here's what's interesting. If you didn't hear it last week, we had an amazing opportunity and you heard us kind of share. We had an amazing opportunity to partner with this ministry called Hand to Hand. They provide groceries for kids who on the weekends go without food. There's literally been stories, and some of you have heard this, where uh, there's one story in the hand-to-hand -hand ministry where a, the police were called to a school because there was a child trying to break into the school, and they said, why are you doing this? And he said, because there's food here. Because he gets food assistance during the week from the school, but on the weekends, he went without food. But this ministry says, hey, those same kids, we need to make sure they have what they need on the weekend. And so what you're looking at right there is our church has put together the opportunity to be able to do that. We meet the, kid, the needs in that room of over 140 kids that need that, and it's growing. Listen, since last week, since last week, we've added 1,300 more pieces of food to this room. Listen, what's amazing about this is that I've told our team, hey, we want to get started. Let's start down that road of it. We shared about it, but we didn't jump out yet. We didn't even launch it. I said, let's just kind of figure it out, kind of learn our way through it, and then we'll launch it, and it'll be amazing, it'll be big, and we'll do. but this is already capacity. We're already too full, and we essentially haven't even tried yet, and it's amazing, and that's a huge credit, not, not to like the church or to the team. It is to, all, to that, but what this is right here is this is crisis. 
This is a car crash that we look at. This is that we've been trying for a couple months to meet the need, and there's still schools full of kids that don't, don't even get hand-to-hand. Like, if we had the ability, we could get into so many more schools and so many more, but what we don't have is the resource. And so I'm not up here to make you feel bad and say kids are going hungry, but what I'm saying is legacy exists so that we can meet the needs in a big way. It's us saying, hey, I'm not just going to give this money because I want to meet the need of this. It's saying, hey, I want to give this money because when I give, it makes room for God. And when God shows up, amazing things happen. Are you with me? And so it's amazing to kind of watch what happens when, when we just give of ourselves, when we position ourselves to make an impact. And so I love that room. I love that amazing more things are going to happen. Let's see this as amazing fertile ground. When you give a seed of an offering, uh, God's going to do amazing things with it. I want, you to, I want you to hear this, and I'll go quickly because I know this part really bores some people because it's structure type things. Uh, but here's how this church is run, and I feel like it's good for you to know this because you'll see how we make decisions on things. Uh, 35% of all of our income, so we basically have two uh, revenue income sources, if you will. We have, of course, giving that comes in the church, and then we have businesses that give outside of there. We don't have other channels that profit us. Like whenever we sell a book or whenever we do events and tickets, uh, we either, either sell those below cost or at cost. We just don't try to make money off anything like that. We don't believe in it. And so everything we do, we have business and we have giving. And all of that that comes in, uh, we have broken down in our bylaws into categories. And so 100% of the income is broken up like this. 35% of our income can be spent on staff, which is who we hire and pay to be staff. 35% of that uh, is what makes up our staff that operates up in the offices during the week, overseas ministries, things like that. Uh, Of course, me, the pastor, other things like that. 35% of our income. The national average uh, is in the 50% range, uh, in the 50% range. And so what we saw is through all the data in our church planting network, all that kind of stuff, uh, we saw what happens is a lot of people say, pastors make the mistake, they say, uh, if we just hire a lot of staff, if we just hire a big dream team, then we'll, we'll just be a force on the ground and we'll go out and we'll reach so many people. And then what happens is they actually don't reach a lot of people and they've just hired a bunch of hirelings because they thought if they just hired a lot of people, then we'll get this work done. And it doesn't happen. And now a bunch of their budget is spent on paying people. And when it comes time to meet the needs of the community, they don't have the money. Are you with me? So we said, we're not going to do that. Uh, we run one of the lowest margins in the nation when it comes to staff, 35% of our income. We also did the same thing with facility. Uh, Same thing, facility, we say 35% of our income can be spent on rent. Same thing has happened. People have said, oh, if we could just get that that building, you know, sort of the field of dreams. If we build it, the people will come and we'll reach people. And then these churches build these big, beautiful buildings that are empty. They didn't reach people. And uh, they're paying all of their money that is coming in on a facility. And so all of a sudden, no return on it. They go to meet the need of people, and they don't have any money because all they've paid for is this big building. And we've said, we're not going to operate that way. I've actually personally had that experience where I've been on a staff where we go, we say, God is calling us to do this. And the answer is we can't because we have to pay for this building, and we can't reach people, and it's a devastating place to be as a church. So we're at 35%, and the national average, again, is in the 50-some percent range. Uh, And so, you know, a lot of people choose we're either going to pay a lot for staff or a lot for a facility. We got 35 and 35. Another thing that we do that's sadly rare is we say 
that 10% of all of our income as a church, we're going to tithe. It's going to go outside of here. We invest it back in church planting or other ministries and things that we give to because we believe if God calls the body, me, uh, to tithe, I also believe the body of Christ is to tithe, that as a church, we give out 10% of our income outside of here. Uh, The reason I keep saying outside of here is because we could say, uh, some churches say, uh, well, you know, our tithe is that we buy printer paper and we, we give that away on a Sunday, or we buy feather flags and that reaches people, so that's like a tithe. We don't believe that. We believe that we tithe out, we give, and so 10% in our bylaws, we also tithe as a church, and then the remaining 20% of our income is operational. That's what we do as a church. That's how we operate, and so the reason I say all of those things to you is because I want you to see this church and literally written into our bylaws is that we are designed for maximum output, as I shared. We don't, as I shared earlier, we don't want these four walls and build our own empire and make everything about this brand that we can make of ourselves. No, we, our design is that when opportunity in our community presents itself to us, we can look at the budget and go in every area, we've made ourselves positioned to be able to say, yes, we want to meet your need. Are you with me? And the beautiful thing about it is if you're a giver, if you're a tither, you're already in on this. You're already reaping the benefits of it. And now we get to piggyback the highest, what I believe, stewardship level you can have as a church. We get to piggyback that with an offering. What am I really trying to say? What I'm really trying to say to you is if I was you considering giving an offering to something, I would look at the structure of this church and the blessing of God on outreach centers and other things. I would look at the fruit of it and say, wow, that's really good ground for me to give to. I'm going to invest in that because they've really stewarded themselves well. And the scripture says when you steward yourselves well, he makes you ruler over what more. And so I'm not here to say, look how great we're doing. I'm saying, look how blessed we are that God has given us a map to be able to meet the needs of people in our community. Amen. Are you with me? A couple of things I shared last week that's really important. It's kind of the heartbeat of our church. We find it in Isaiah chapter 53. The prophet is foretelling Jesus' death. And so in chapter 53, you get this scripture about Jesus is coming, he's going to die on the cross, wrongly uh, crucified, all these kinds of things. And then at this time, there's darkness, there's sadness. In the culture, uh, you see that there's corruption everywhere, famine, injustice. It seemed like the church was on the decline and becoming irrelevant. It's a lot like our times. But then in the very next scripture, you see the prophet saying this in Isaiah 54. He says, enlarge your place of your tent, stretch your curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. He's saying, make an effort. So you see darkness, you see corruption, injustice, all these things. And he says, the way that you respond to those things is make an effort for more. Expand, open your arms wider, make the tent bigger, cast the net to be bigger. Why does he say that? Because what he says in verse 55, chapter 55, you then see what happens when you are a people who cast a net bigger. In Isaiah 55, it says, come all who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come. It says, give an ear, come to me, listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you that my faithful love I promised to David. Seek the Lord that he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I said all that to say this. This is a pattern God wants us to understand. When you see corruption and injustice and famine and all the darkness, the response that we should have as a church and as a people is, I see that. 
Therefore, I'm going to expand and open my arms wider and cast the net bigger. Why? Because incorruption comes from corruption. People who are thirsty and tired and need people to reach them. Amen? Well, that's what legacy is for us. We're literally living out this scripture. We're saying, hey, we see the times. We see the darkness. We see the culture. And instead of holding back, instead of reining in, instead of being sad and disappointed that it looks like the church is struggling uh, in America, instead we're going to say, no, we're going to throw open our tents. We're going to expand ourselves to be able to reach more. Why? Because the thirsty are coming. Are you with me? So for us, for the last couple years, we've always given a goal. And this is sort of my ending point for you is this. We've always given a goal. The first year we said, hey, we believe that we are called to raise $10,000. We believe that God's called us to raise $10,000. We made it a goal. And I updated you every week. I said, hey, this is where we're at here, uh, $10,000. When we were done, we actually ended up raising a little over $12,000. Last year, we said, hey, the goal is $30,000. We just want to get to 30. And God did over $60,000. He more than doubled it. And just an amazing thing that he did. And so this year, our call and what I believe we're called to do is just do this. We're not going to set a goal. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to say, God, we believe that when we bring an offering, it makes room in our life for more of you. And we want that. We want more of you. But we're also going to do this. We're going to just stretch the tent. We're going to stretch the cords. We're going to make room for more. And so that's my prayer for you when you seek God about what you could give. It's not about an amount. It's not about a goal. It's not about a project. It's not about all the things that we could do. It's about us making room in our life for more of God and then bringing an offering out of that. Are you with me? So, of course, at the end, we're going to celebrate like crazy. It's going to be amazing. But pray about it for you. What is the number? You know, you come together, and I know some of you have already come prepared. But hear from God about the space that you're making in your life. But the size net that we bring in is the size net that we get to throw. And so whatever the need is in a school or whatever the need is in our outreach center, whatever the need of the other things that God has called us into, we get to say yes to those based on what we bring in. Are you with me? And so my encouragement to you is just hear from God. Go to God. We said this last week. Impossible is where God starts, and miracles are what God does. I'll close with this. I thought about it like this. I posted this uh, earlier this week. It says, the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. I mean, we're writing our futures in our obediences. What we are obedient in, what we trust God in, what we follow God in tells the stories in our communities. I pray that our stories are, man, that church was just so generous. They were able to meet the need of kids or they were able to meet the need of this thing or that thing or whatever God is calling us into. We're writing the stories. I, I posted this as well. Churches that, impact, that make an impact are more focused on putting boots on the streets than butts in the seats. And that's what legacy is for us. It's us just bringing something extra so that we can give it out more than just building what we do inside here. Are you with me? The goal isn't to live forever. It's to create something that will. At the end of our life, when we get up there and you're born, whatever you were born, the dash in the middle, what does the dash say about you? Have you just created a nice house and nice cars and you went to a good school? And, or did you build something that's going to last beyond you? And that's what legacy gets to do. We were at a, uh, I think I got time. We were at a uh, Christmas parade. <clears throat> so I'm walking down the street. I'm trying to make sure little kids don't jump Olaf, right? And, uh, and I'm walking in the thing. And, and, a, and a guy comes out to me. He says, hey, Pastor Josh. I said, hey, man you know, and he kind of looked familiar, but I didn't really know. 
And he catches us at the photo booth part at the end. We take pictures uh, with the kids, with the characters. And he says, hey, I just want to thank you. And I'm really in that awkward, like trying to remember as hard as I can that I, I used to work at a grocery store uh, when I, before I was in ministry. I was like, thank you because I made you a cupcake or thank you because of church. I'm not sure what we're in. Uh, I used to make cupcakes. Some of you aren't laughing because you're like, is he serious? I, I can decorate a pretty mean cake. So don't ask me to because I don't want to. <laughs> so this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, uh, I just want to say thank you. He's like, you were the youth pastor of one of my, my kids and they're still going strong in the Lord. And he said his name and he said, just all that you did back then made such a difference. I don't know. I don't even remember them. Uh, and I love kids. And you, I mean, I was all invested. <clears throat> but just years later, you just don't know. But what I do know is that God honors seeds. 11, 12 years later, someone is still thanking me for the seed that I planted. It's better than anything you can upgrade financially or in your time or in your whatever. For someone to come back and to say thank you. He said he's still going with the Lord. I forget where they live now, but uh, Jackson, they live in Jackson. They're at a great church and they're still serving the Lord. All, he literally said all because of what you guys did with that youth group in that church. That's amazing. Why? Because God honors seeds. You're not giving to me. You're not giving to vertical church. You give to God and God honors that seed. Are you with me? What we build in our name doesn't last forever. What we build for his name does. Let's give sacrificially to his name and to his work and watch God do amazing things. Amen? John chapter 15, uh, 11 through 14, this is the message version. It says, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way that I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends that, and then it says, you are my friends when you do these things, I command you. The very best kind of love that you could possibly give is when you put your life on the line for somebody. When you put your finances on the line for somebody. He says, and when you do that, you're a friend of mine. So when we give, we get to give in a way that this is the best kind of love. I'm laying down my life for somebody else. I'm laying down my agenda for somebody else. That's the best kind of love. Amen? Amen.